0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to have you here, whether you're in the building or you're watching online and connecting with us that way. We are really grateful that you're with us. Uh, As we try to tackle one final idea in the series that we've been doing for the last few weeks, um, you see, you can't do a series called Me, Myself, and Why, uh, where we take a few weeks and focus in on me and myself and and I and focus in on ourselves and talk a bunch of ourselves without uh, talking about this one specific idea that I want to tackle today, because this idea, um, Jesus introduces this really foundational idea to understanding ourselves, to understanding faith, and to understanding a connection with and a relationship with God. So there's no way we could end this series without looking at this, because we've been talking so much about me, myself, and why I am. This is so pertinent, so important to understanding most of what we've been saying this idea that Jesus introduced, and, and he spoke about it several times in several, several different places where we'll look at those, but it's, it's really like a door or like a key that unlocks so much of what he brought and came to give. It opens up the life that he talked about, the peace, the joy, the hope, the strength. Um, it opens up all that he came to bring. And if, if Christianity is true, there's a whole bunch that he came to bring. Um, So it's a big, big deal, but let me warn you right off the bat that this is not an easy thing to talk about. It's it's easy to talk about, I guess. It's just not that easy to do sometimes because it goes against everything that we naturally fight for. It is very, very counterintuitive, especially in a very individualistic world that we live in. It's very, very counterintuitive unless we understand it. Because if we understand this, if we wrestle this thing to the ground, if we can understand the idea, and it's an idea that Jesus introduces and speaks about, it's an idea that we see in secular in the secular world as well. I'm going to show you something that's written about this from a perspective of someone who's not a Christian, and it's an idea that you see in nature a whole bunch. But again, it's not that easy, but if we can understand it, it kind of goes, huh, that makes sense. I should probably look into that, because, man, it has the potential to open up faith in a way that we may not have experienced before, and as a result, impact our lives in a way that we may not have experienced before. It's a massive, massive deal. So let's jump in, and to kind of start the conversation and get us on the same page, I want to kind of paint a picture of who we are as people, and how we navigate as people, what we want, and how we try to get there. First of all, and you know, this is no surprise to any of us, this is probably true. We probably don't think about it in these words, but but we recognize this. This will probably resonate with all of us. All of us want to find happiness. All of us want to be fulfilled. We want to find fulfillment. We want to find success. We want to find meaning in life. All of us want that. And there are so many things in our world and in our lives that sort of keep us from that. I want to find that meaning. And there's so many things that get in the way of that. And so we want to do what we can to rescue ourselves from those things that keep us from finding the happiness and the meaning. We want to save ourselves from feeling that sadness and that emptiness or that lack of meaning in our lives. And we work really hard in our lives to do it. We do a whole bunch of things to try and find that. I think most of what we do fall into one of two categories. And um, you may resonate with one of these more than another, but my guess is we've all experienced and done this at some point in our lives. We're all sort of, you know, from opposite extremes. We're all somewhere on the continuum. But, but all of us, as we're trying to save ourselves from that emptiness, from, from struggling, and as we're trying to find happiness and meaning and life this is what some of us do. What the first category is that we try to do everything right to succeed. We try to do things right. And if I can just do everything that I'm supposed to do, man, I will find what I'm supposed to find. I'll find the meaning. On the opposite end of the spectrum, that's who cares about what's right. I'm gonna do what I feel like. And if I feel it, I'm gonna do it because if I can feel it, man, I, I will find that life that I want. Let me, let me dive a little deeper into these things. For those of us who try to do what's right, we fight for that. I'm gonna do it right, and I will find success and find meaning, but where do we get the definition of right? Because this is true of all of us. You don't have to be a Christian or, or you know, believe something specific. All of us you know, in this category try to fight for what's right, and we get the definition of right from trying to live up to or fulfill the rules and expectations of whatever we value most or where we find our identity. If I find my identity in something, I'm gonna do what's right to live up to the rules and expectations of that thing. Maybe it's family. And and you grew up in a home where there were certain values and certain traditions and certain calling or certain way. And it's like, we need to live that way. And if I can just live up to the expectations of my family of origin, my dad used to say, my mom taught me this. And if I can just do that, man, I will live the way I need to live. I'll have meaning, I will have success. Maybe it's your current family. My husband says, my wife says, my kids need and I'm gonna live by the best rules or expectations of living family so well and then I will find the meaning and the success, that that happiness inside me. Maybe it's not family, maybe it's friends. There's so many categories that we find our value in or find our identity in, and if we live up to those expectations, we find that meaning. As friends, you know, my friends say this, my friends do this, and if I can do what they do or if I can do better than they do, man, I will have meaning. But there's so many other options. Social media is a huge one nowadays. And if I just live and do social media the right way, I'll get enough likes, I'll get enough follows, I'll get enough retweets, I'll get enough whatever it is so that I can find my affirmation and I can feel good about who I am. Uh, Social requirements in the circle of people we live with, what they do, what neighbors do, our culture, politics. If I can do politics well, believe that and change this, then I will have meaning. Fame, you know, if I follow the rules of becoming famous, if I can just do this and enough people will know me, man, I'll find what I need, what I'm looking for. Business, money, religion, there's all these options. And if I value it enough, and if I find my identity in it enough, I will just, if I can live up to the right expectations and rules of that thing, I can find my meaning. Many of us try to live by those things and, and find meaning. In that, and that's that category of if I just do it right, According to whatever you value, if I just do it right, man, it's going to be awesome. I will find what I'm looking for. So that's one side of the spectrum. All the way on the other side, there's a bunch of us that go, you know what? Who cares what they said? (laughs) I don't care. I don't feel it. And I'm going to do what I feel like when I feel like it because I don't care what my mom said. I don't care what my dad said. I don't care what society, friends. I don't care what you say because I feel it and I want to be true to my feelings. And so we try to find that meaning in us. And I don't care what they said I should do or be or shouldn't do or shouldn't be. I am going to find and live my life according to what I feel because then I'll be free. And in that freedom, I will find the life that I really Want. I'm gonna find my freedom and my fulfillment my way. Those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. One's I'm gonna do it right according to what they say and what they, 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 they tell me I should do and the expectations, or I'm gonna forget all those, rebel against those, cast off all restraints and do what I wanna do. But here's what's interesting. <laughs> what's inter- no matter where you fall on that spectrum or how many times you've dabbled in either of those things, here's what's interesting, is that both of those options doing it right, or doing what I feel like. Both of those options find their their foundation, they're based on me, myself, and I, on what I do or don't do. Both of those things are me trying to save myself from whatever it is I feel is hurting me, caging me in, keeping me from fulfillment, keeping me from finding myself. Both of those things are driven and based and found in me. I am the reason. And I find my salvation, if you will, in myself. And I find my fulfillment, my happiness, and my meaning, my sense of life in myself. In what I do, and what I accomplish, and what I live up to, in what I rebel from. But it's all still found in me. And that, that makes sense in our world today, right? In an individualistic world where we believe that if you want something, you got to go and get it. If you wanna do something, go and make it happen. It makes sense in that world, but, but, the problem is that it doesn't always seem to work holistically. Sure, we find success in different parts of our lives and people have found success at certain areas, but if you look holistically, there's still something that's going, is that it? Is that it? Have I found that thing? And sure, I'm successful there, but gosh, what about the other sides of my life? Very often, very often, we don't find what we're looking for, even when we do. Find the freedom for a season. Do the things. Live up to all the expectations. Don Richard Rizzo, um, a guy who wrote a book after studying people and personalities for years and years and years and working with millions of people. I think millions. I mean, he's done this test online, and, and thousands at least, and thousands and thousands of people have done this. And after studying people, he wrote a book uh, called Personality Types, and in this book, using the Enneagram, and it's not a Christian book by any means, um, but he he uses this and after studying people and how different people search for meaning in different ways, he says something that kind of speaks into this. He says this, because we cannot live without meaning, without reference to something outside ourselves, we inevitably create idols as substitutes for faith in the transcendent and the meaning which it supplies. We create these idols as substitutes. And then he says, this is interesting, not a Christian author. Of course, the supreme and universal idol is pride. The ego inflating itself, attempting to be the cause of its own being, attempting to find its own meaning within its own resources. Pride sees no reason to look beyond itself for help or guidance. It is satisfied with itself. And then he goes on, kind of into a description of how each personality type expresses this pride in a different way. He says, each of the personality types is tempted toward a particular form of pride as a way of defending itself from the anxieties involved in its existence. In other words, as a way of saving myself from the mess, saving myself from the struggle, each of us has a a way that we let this pride sort of come in or at least are tempted to do it. And then he describes it, he says, for some people, He calls them the nines, type nine. He says, for some people, the temptation is to believe that its tranquility is an ultimate value. Eights, a different group of people, is to believe in its own strength and will. Sevens, another group, is that it believes that it will find fulfillment in exciting experiences. See, all these different strategies that if I have all the exciting experiences, I will find meaning. If I'm strong enough and I have the right willpower, I will find meaning. If I have ultimate you know, tranquility, that is the most important. He continues with all these other ways that we do this. And it's so fascinating how he digs deep into so many ways that we try to find this. For sixes, he says it's to believe that we can create ultimate security for ourselves. And fives, believe in knowledge as a source of power. Fours, the temptation is to believe that all of its feelings and subjective states are significant. All of its feelings and subjective states are significant. Threes, it's to believe in its own excellence. If I can just be excellent at everything I do, everything will work out and I'll be good. For twos, it's to believe in its own indispensability. If I love people well enough, I'll be indispensable, and I'll find my purpose and my meaning. And then finally, for the last group that he describes as ones, he says the temptation is to believe in its own righteousness. And he says this, if there, is any, if there is a theme in this book, it's fascinating, if there's a theme in this book or a lesson to be learned by studying the personality types, it is that while we legitimately look for happiness by seeking our personal fulfillment, we often seek it wrongly. Every personality type creates a self-fulfilling prophecy, bringing about the very thing it most fears while losing what it most desires as it looks for happiness. If when we search for happiness, we inflate our ego, in other words, say, I can do it. I'm gonna find it. At the expense of recognizing and properly valuing our essential self, who we really are, we may be sure of failing in our search. Again, not a Christian author, and he's talking about how all of us try to find that meaning in and of ourselves, and it, it doesn't work according to him. We don't have that. He continues, he says, looking at each of the personality types as a whole teaches us that the agendas of our ego are ultimately self-defeating. And he goes through, again, saying how it defeats ourselves, how we defeat ourselves. Some people, again, in the book, as he describes them as twos, he said, they spend their entire life searching for love from others and still feel like they are unloved. The other group, threes, endlessly pursue achievement and recognition, if I can only achieve, if I can only get the recognition, but they still feel worthless and empty. Fours, spend their entire lives trying to discover the meaning of their personal identity and still don't know who they are. Fives, endlessly accumulate knowledge, if I can just know enough and and skills, if I can just have the ability to do things, to build up their confidence, but they still feel helpless and incapable. He's just describing how we all fight for it, but somehow don't find it, not a Christian author. Sixes toil endlessly to create security for themselves and still feel anxious and fearful about the world. Sevens look high and low for happiness, but still somehow feel unhappy and frustrated. Eights do everything in their power to protect themselves and their interests, but still feel vulnerable. And threaten nines, sacrifice a great deal to achieve inner peace and stability, but still feel ungrounded and insecure. And lastly, finally, he says, ones strive to maintain personal integrity, but still feel divided and at war with themselves. The last thing he says that I'm going to read here is this. The way out of these self-defeating patterns is to see, and this is so fascinating, that they cannot bring us the happiness that we seek because our personality does not have the power to create happiness. And then, <laughs> as wisdom as always recognized, this is what he says, it is only by dying to ourselves, that is to our ego and its strategies, that we find life. It's only by dying to ourselves. And I say, again, this guy's not a Christian author, and the reason I bring that up so many times is because he introduces this crazy idea of dying to ourselves. What's he talking about? He says, we can't find happiness in ourselves. And he says, the only way you can find it, the only way you can get to that meaning, that hope, the thing that we're all looking for is to die to ourselves, dying to the very thing that we want to find life in, ourselves. (laughs) Dying to the very thing that we try our best, to find life in, ourselves and our strategies. I'm gonna try and do all these things. I'm gonna try and live up to all the rules and expectations of the things I value most and maybe then it'll work, or I'm gonna to try to cast off all restraints, do what I feel like, and we try to do that, but he's going, uh-uh. Our personality does not have what it takes to find happiness, it's just not in there. The only way, the secular author says, is to die to ourselves. If you wanna find life, we have to look beyond ourselves, beyond the normal behaviors and strategies that we try to do. He says we must die to ourselves, to our egos and its strategies if we want to find life. Now again, the reason I said you know, he's not a Christian author is because that dying to self idea, that's a deeply Christian idea. Deeply Christian it actually comes from some things that Jesus said. And I wanna kind of go to some of these verses now to show you what Jesus said about this dying to self thing that Don Richard Rizzo says is the only solution. And so Jesus brings us up and he uses this beautiful illustration from nature as well that we can look and see, oh my gosh, that makes sense. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 33, we're gonna look at the first quick verse that he says. He says, whoever tries to keep their life, which we all kind of want to, (laughs) Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. What? How does that even work? What are you talking about? Let's look at John chapter 12, verse 23, where Jesus talks about himself and how this principle works its way out. John 12, 23 says this. John was recording this. John was a guy who walked with Jesus and and heard him speak. Jesus replied, and he said, "'The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified.'" The Son of Man is a term that Jesus used to refer to Himself. So He says, the hour has come. Guys, it's time. I'm going to be glorified. What does glorified mean? Basically, I'm going to finally fulfill what I came to do. I'm going to, you know, all the meaning, all the reason I came, it's going to happen. It's about to happen. And then He tells us how. Because when we think it's about to happen, I'm going to be glorified. We think, finally, I'm going to find it. My meaning, my purpose. Woohoo! it's going to be great. This is awesome. Look at how Jesus said He's going to be glorified. Verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, (laughs) it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And Jesus uses this illustration from nature to show us that life, the true potential of life, is found in dying. I mean, a seed has so much life in it. An acorn, you know, I don't know if you have an oak tree at home and you like walk out under the oak tree barefoot and you stand on a stupid acorn. You're like, get out of the way, this is horrible. And it hurts and it's like pointy little parts sticking up and it's just painful and you look at the stupid thing and it's like a stone. It looks like something that should be thrown away. It doesn't look like anything. It looks like nothing. It's just maybe a piece of bark or dirt or something. And you look at it, that acorn has life in it. It has the potential to grow a tree that will last for centuries. How? (laughs) It doesn't look like anything. A peach tree, a single peach seed has the potential to produce thousands of peaches. And inside those peaches are more seeds, so therefore thousands of trees. It's amazing. There's so much life and meaning and potential in a seed. But the only way to access that life, that potential, is if it dies. When it's planted in the ground, and this is crazy. I don't know how it works, but it's amazing. Some, when, it, you know, when, it, when it's planted in the ground, something miraculous happens. And you take this piece of thing that looks like nothing, that, that if you just kind of leave it there, it'll do nothing. If you put it on a shelf, it'll just stay there and do nothing. Apparently, some experiments, I looked this up to see how long a seed'll last. Um, it'll last over 100 years, according to some experiments that they've done. So this piece of thing, whatever it is, can lie on a shelf for hundreds of years, potentially, just sit there, and if you put it in the right place, something miraculous happens when the seed dies. When it dies, how does something that looks like nothing create something so big and beautiful and life comes out of it? The only way that that happens, though, is if it's destroyed, If it dies, when you plant the seed, it germinates and it disappears. It's gone. It dies, but the life inside of it, the meaning, the purpose is released. It's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And while I know that Jesus was referring to himself as he spoke about that seed and saying that he was gonna die and he was gonna do that in order to bring life to so many people, the next thing he said relates this idea to you and to me. He says this. Verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Anyone who loves their life, I won't ask for a show of hands, (laughs) I do. (laughs) Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Think about it, if the seed loved its life, if a seed could talk and said, I love my life. And it sat on a shelf and it loved its life and it wanted to stay that forever. It it loved its life. You know, It could last forever, if it didn't get eaten at least, it could last forever. It could survive that way. But it will always only be a seed. It will never discover the purpose, the meaning, the life inside of it because it loved what it was and how it lived. But if that seed was willing to die, (laughs) it would release the incredible, miraculous life inside of it. And I think that's what Jesus was saying about you and about me, about us. He was saying, if, if you're willing to die to yourself, to lose your life, you can find life. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said so clearly, He said... I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus came to do. Christianity teaches that Jesus is the Son of God, the one who knows where life comes from, the one who came to love and to die for us, to make a way for us to connect with our heavenly Father who created us, who, according to Christianity, is the author of life. And he knows you, he made you, he loves you, and he wants you to experience life. That's why Jesus came to give us life. The life that we're looking for, the meaning, the fulfillment. And Christianity teaches that that life is available and it can be found in him. If we trust him and follow him. In another place, he he sort of elaborates a little bit more about how. How do we find that life and life to the full that he wants to bring? And and this is where it gets a little hard. Not that dying to self is not hard. Dying is hard. But he says this in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said this to them. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to connect with, with God, Whoever wants to be, you know, find that life in me, whoever wants to follow me, whoever wants to trust me, whoever wants to be my disciple, he says, must ouch deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. There it is again. And and he uses that that ugly word cross when, you know, when Jesus said it, it wasn't a cute little gold thing that you hung around your neck. It was a symbol of death. Luke, when he recorded this, he added one word to this that I think is so significant. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, daily, and follow me. Verse 35, Mark continues and says, as Jesus was talking, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. If we try to save our lives by holding on to me and myself and I and the way that I'm gonna do it and what I know, by trying our best maybe on the one side to follow all the rules and expectations of what I think I need to do to find my meaning if I try to do that, or by rebelling against those rules and going with whatever I feel like, however we do it, whatever strategy we take, Jesus says, guys, it's not gonna work. It's not going to work. You won't find what you're looking for. And Don Richard Rizzo, the guy who wrote that book, Not Even a Christian, after studying people, he agrees. You're not going to find what you're looking for. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. It's like that seed. If we hold on to being a seed, I want to be a seed, and, and, and we're going to try and find our life and what we do or what we don't do as a seed, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We'll just remain a seed, and we'll lose the life he wants to make in us produce in us and through us but he says whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it if we can say okay okay i'm going to trust your way and not mine i'm going to go with what you say not what i think or what i feel whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it, is what Jesus was saying. So so here's what I think he's trying to communicate to us. Firstly, I want to give you life. (laughs) Jesus would look at you and say, hey, I want to give you life life to the full. I came to give you life. I died like a seed to give you life, to make a way for you to be forgiven, to make a way for you to reconnect with God, the God who created you and loves you more than you could ever imagine. That's who I am. I died to make that possible, and that life is available to you. But in order to find it, you'll have to lose yours. Because if, if we're trusting me and my way and my feelings and how I want and what I'm going to do and my strategies, there's no space for Him. And I'm being a seed. I want to be a seed. But unless we lose that and make space for Him, if, I think what He's saying is if, if you want to find the life that I came to bring, you'll have to lose yours. You'll have to stop trusting in your ability to do everything right or to do everything you feel like to find that freedom. And just like a seed, if we would be willing, again, if a seed could talk, go with me, I'm sorry, but just like a seed, if we could say, I give up my dependence on me to find life, and I'm willing to die to myself in order for your life, that miraculous life to be born in me, that's where we find it. Imagine a seed refused to die. It's like, nope, not gonna happen. But I'll try my best to be a tree, but do not plant. me. I don't wanna die, I'm not gonna die, but I'm gonna do everything I can to be a tree. What would that do? It's a little seed going. <laughs> it doesn't work. A seed can't be a tree. It can't. No matter how hard it tries, it can't be a tree. But if it dies, that tree, that life is produced, that meaning, that purpose is produced and created from that death. Or what if, what if a seed said, I'm gonna rebel against everything tree in me. I don't care. I'm just gonna find my freedom in me being a seed. What would happen? Well, it would lie there and be free. But it would miss out on the meaning and the purpose and the life in it. It, it, it can't find it. The only way it finds life is if it dies. So I think Jesus, the one who promises life and life to the full and eternal life, is asking us to say, okay, I will no longer depend on my ability to do it all right, or my desire to cast off all restraints and do it my way the way I feel like. I will die to myself and my ways and I will trust in you, and, and Christianity teaches that when we do that, just like a seed, a miracle happens on the inside of us. And life is born. When we choose, okay, I, I, will, I will die to myself. A miracle happens, life is born in me. Practically, there are so many things that we can talk about, and and we can't talk about practically what that all looks like today because of time, but that's what we do as a church. We wanna talk more about what that looks like and how we find that life, but today I just wanna say a few things. Practically, what do we do with that? I think it's getting to the place where where, where we say consistently, I don't want what I want. Oof, and that's hard. (laughs) Where we get to the place and say, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. Because saying, I want what I want, is seed mentality. That's a seed going, give me what I want. No, life mentality is, I don't want what I want. I'm going to die to myself. I want what you want. Because life is found in that. I mean, if Jesus really is who he says he is, if he's the son of God, oof, life is found there. Another practical way of looking at this is this. It means that we must surrender to Jesus, surrender to Him. In other words, when my will and His will come into conflict, we surrender to Him. So yes, your way, your will. It means we trust that what He says is true and do it. It means we we trust what He has done and we walk in it. His forgiveness, His grace, His strength, and we walk in it. Jesus said, whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. That means that, He says, for me, who is me? It's Jesus. It means that we get to the place where we believe that Jesus is who He says He is. If He is that, oh my gosh, doesn't that change everything? And I give up my life, lose my life, for him and for the sake of the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is simply the good news that, that even though we're so human and so imperfect and don't measure up to His standards, or even our own standards, we don't measure up, we we can't measure up. But even though we are more broken, and scripture says more sinful than we ever dared believe, the gospel says, the good news says, we are still more loved, He loves you so much, even in the mess, even in the imperfection, even in that stuff, more love than we ever dared hope. And the gospel says that because of what Jesus did, If we trust him, we are more whole in him than we ever dared imagine. So if I lose my life for him and for the gospel's sake, that means I believe that I'm more sinful than I ever dared believe. But I am more loved than I ever dared hope. And in him, I am more whole than I ever dared imagine. If I lose my life for that, for him, that means not trusting me, but trusting him. That's what he's saying, and if we do that, if we do that, it's it's like a seed anxiously, (laughs) nervously, hesitantly saying, okay, I'll die, I'll be planted, but it does it because it knows and it trusts the miracle of its creator and the life that will come when it chooses to die. And then you know what, what Jesus does? He saves it. He says, whoever loses their life will save it. He brings life and hope of eternal life and forgiveness and grace and strength. And he also brings direction and guidance in our life now and help. You see, when we die to our own ways, we're open to learning his ways. And when we die to our own ways, we're open to walking in his and that impacts everything because he speaks into and guides us in everything, in marriage, in, in parenting, and money, and relationships, and dating, in, in, in leadership, and all these things. He speaks into all of that. And if we trust who he is and what he says, you'll be, kind of be like, okay, now I don't want what I want. I want what you want. And there's life found in him and life found in dying to me and life found in living with and for him. That's what Christianity teaches, that we will find our lives when we lose it for his sake and for the gospel. It's phenomenal. And we see it in secular writing. We see it in in what Jesus, we see it in nature. It's phenomenal. We'll find life when we lose it. (laughs) Life is produced when we die to ourselves. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're watching in and you're not a Christian, I mean, you, you struggle to believe That God is who he says he is, that Jesus is who he said he is. If you're not a Christian, let me just say this. I know this is crazy. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. I mean, if God is not who Jesus said he is, this doesn't make sense. If there is no God and you are the only one that you can rely on, this is crazy. You can't die to your dependence on yourself if there isn't a God on the other side who is trustworthy, who died for you to give you life because he loves you. If you don't believe that, you can't not rely on yourself. I get that. So if you're not there, I totally get it. And I never, and we never wanna make anyone or force anyone to believe something they don't believe because you can't do that anyway. So if you're not there, I totally get it. But if he is God, and if he is who Jesus said he is, and while you're listening, you're hearing the stuff, considering it, and something inside of you is stirring about God and about Jesus and what he did, here's what I would encourage you to do. I'd encourage you to take a step forward in that. Just explore it. Keep exploring. Keep asking questions. Keep reading the Bible. We love that you're here and you don't believe. Just so that you know, we love that. And you can tell people around you, hey, I don't believe this, not not at all. We love that. Just keep exploring and going because if this is true, if there is life in what Jesus came to do, my gosh, it would be cool to discover it. So if you're not a Christian, totally get it, and we love that you're here as you keep exploring. Now, if you are a Christian, for us as Christians, I think it's so important to at least acknowledge that as Christians, we usually like the nice parts of Christianity, you know, the love part, the peace part, the promises, the hope, the, the practical stuff. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I'll add it to my list of things that I can do. We love that part of Christianity, and those parts are great. They're wonderful. They really are amazing. But we don't like the dying part, do we? Because it's hard. You know, dying is painful. (laughs) It hurts. It's hard. And so what I think often happens is there's a bunch of seed Christians running around doing Christian things. I'm a seed. I'm a seed, I'm gonna do it right. (laughs) There's a bunch of seed Christians running around with all the potential of life in them. But they don't wanna die. Me neither. I don't wanna die, it's hard, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's, you know, it bumps into things that I want and that I'm supposed to not want, oh my gosh, it's hard. And every single day we wake up, we are drawn back to our ways and our feelings and our thinking and our strategies and our way of finding meaning. It, we're always drawn back, but I'm telling you, if we can wake up every day and choose to take up our cross and die to ourselves daily, There is life in that because then it allows his life and his ways to define us. And there's life in him and there's life in his ways. But like Jesus said, we've got to take up our cross and deny ourselves daily to do that. So as we close out several weeks of talking about me, myself and I, a couple questions. Are you yourself, and I don't know what the third one would be in the second person, me, myself, and I, but what is you, yourself, and? I don't know. So let's just go with the two. Okay, here's the question. You ready? Are you yourself willing to die? (laughs) Are you yourself willing to die? Are you willing to lose your life for Jesus? And the gospel, Secular thinking, I mean, that book that I read calls us to it. It says we can't find what we're looking for in and of ourselves. Nature calls us to it. It says, okay, you want to stay a seed? You'll be a really cute seed for the rest of your life, but you'll miss out on the life. And Jesus calls us to this because he says, whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So are you willing to die? Because life is found when we die. He wants to give life and life is found when we die. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. First of all, I'm just so grateful, God, that Jesus came and died like that grain of wheat, he died to produce life. And I'm a recipient of that. And my life is a recipient. My, 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 the grace I receive, my forgiveness, everything that happens in my life is a recipient. And I'm so grateful, Jesus, that you died, that you surrendered, that you lost your life so that I could gain life. And Father, I pray that you will help us wrestle this thing to the ground. What does dying to self look like? How do I do that? But when I recognize that you are who you say you are, a loving God who's come to give life and life to the full and eternal life, help me, Father, help us, Father, recognize that I need to die to myself in order to find that life. And then, Father, help us take that step daily die to ourselves and find life, the miraculous life that you give. Like that seed, I pray you help us find it. In Jesus' name, amen.